Well, this morning, uh, one, of the, one of the, not tricks of the trade, but one of the things I've learned in 25 years of ministry is, as a pastor, if you go on vacation, you don't preach the Sunday you get back, because if not, you really didn't have a vacation, because you're spending your last week thinking about what you're preaching on Sunday. So I asked one of our good friends and one of our colleagues in the ministry to come this morning. His name's Doug Withrop. I'll introduce him here in just a moment. Doug and I have known each other from uh, a good while, back from youth pastor days, from district ministry days. And uh, Doug and I have a unique uh, relationship right now that we're going to get experiencing together. When we first started Hope Church, a year into our development, we launched out David Dukeson and uh, in Center City Church. In fact, they took half our band, 12 leaders, and they left at, at one year. They left us Justin. I haven't figured that one out, you know. They, they left Justin. He was the drummer, like, we're leaving him, you know. And they started Center City Church, which is doing fantastic now. And recently they became a sovereign church. They're on their own. And in their leadership, Doug and I are part of their overseer team. And that song about greater things to come, we're seeing some amazing things in uptown Charlotte through that. In fact, David is going to be here for our seventh anniversary in September. He's going to be our speaker, first time back since, he's le- since he left. And I'm excited about that. But I, I was so glad Doug's schedule was available today because I wanted to introduce him to Hope. I believe he's going to be a big part of our future also of what God's doing here in North Charlotte. So Doug Withrop is, uh, is from Concord. I say it right. I know a lot of you are from Concord, not Concord, Concord, North Carolina. And uh, he has been a blessing in this area for many, many years. A lot of you all know him. And I just want him to come and share his heart today. And uh, he has a dubious title that I used to own of Executive Director of Ministries. You can't put that on a business card. Of the North Carolina District of the Assemblies of God. Try to put that all in one sentence, right? And uh, he and I can swap war stories, but I think today I'd rather hear what God has in his heart. So welcome, Doug Withrop, to Hope Church. And uh, let's receive what God has for us today. Thanks so much, Pastor Mike. What a, what a joy to be with you guys. Actually, Pastor Mike didn't tell you this, but he was, he was my boss there for a season. So in some ways, I feel like, you know, you can't get that out. Your teacher, your third grade teacher is always your teacher. You see her in the, the store or whatever, and it's Mrs. So-and-so. And so, like, in some ways, I'm like, oh, I'm preaching for my, my boss this morning. Um, but it is, we've, had, we've known each other for years, and a lot of good friends, Matt and, and Brandy, grew up under our youth ministry, and so we will definitely take credit for, for them, 100%. <laughs> uh, and, and this is my wife, Camden. Camden, if you'll wave to everybody, this is, just make her feel welcome, if you will, and we don't always get to do this kind of stuff as a family, but, uh, but we do today, and then Justin and I, of course, have known each other for years. You've been, you've been getting it this morning, man, so I'll... I'll I'll, I'll wait and say other things about you in the message or something, but uh, good, to, good to be with friends this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to uh, Joshua chapter 5 and 6? Joshua chapter 5 and 6. I want to I speak to you this morning a message called Closing the Gap. Closing the Gap. And here's what I believe that, that the Lord would just say to you this morning, and in about 30 minutes, we'll give you opportunity to respond, but... But what if this morning, what if your biggest barrier became your biggest breakthrough? What if your biggest barrier became your biggest breakthrough? I don't know what you're facing this morning, challenges maybe at home, uh, at school, at your job, with your kids. Pastor Mike alluded to what was going on in the world. You know, you don't have to flip on Fox News or CNN for about five seconds, and it's, it's a little bit easy to get discouraged, isn't it? 
And what a, what a great word there. And I, and I would just say this. This is what I felt like the Lord has been speaking into my heart because the, the recent events and some decisions that have been made and all that's, all that's going on. But in Exodus 1, chapter 11, it says that the more that the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites, the more the Israelites grew. In fact, it says the more they multiplied. So the very DNA of the church and of God's people and of you is that the more people try to oppress anything in the kingdom, the more we multiply. That's what you got in you, okay? That's what the church has in us. So we're not, gonna, we're not defeated. Jesus Christ is one, and we are going to go forward. And I believe that the best days of the church are ahead, and I believe that we're going to multiply. So we're going to talk about this this morning, closing, closing the gap. How many of you are uh, the firstborn child in your family? Can I see your, your hands? A lot of firstborns out there. I'm a firstborn. That's me, so I'll get back to firstborns in a mo- minute. Any, any middle children out there? Anybody a middle child? Anybody? Oh, I'm sorry I didn't see you out there. Oh, that's terrible. That's, a, that's awful. That's a bad middle child joke. I'm so sorry. Not really. How many of you are the babies? Where are the babies? Wave at me. All the, I love the babies. I love being around the babies. Because, babies, you are a party looking for a place to happen. I mean, you just, you're ready to go, aren't you? You'll hang out. You're just loving life. And firstborns, again, wave at me, firstborns. It's not that we don't like to have a good time, right? We do. We just want that good time to start on time. We want somebody to be in charge of that good time. And we would prefer that person in charge to be us. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, firstborns, if the world would just listen to us, right, it would be a much better place. And so as a typical first, firstborn with all its advantages and issues, I tend, to be, I tend to be a little controlling sometimes. I tend to be a little, I mean, I just like what I like. And I, as long as things go exactly my way, I'm okay. And, and I'm a little OCD. So we were, we were at Disney World a couple years ago, and we were standing in line, which is fine because if you go to Disney World, you just know that you're going to pay a lot of money to stand in line. You know what I'm talking about. So we were, we were standing in line at that time for the Buzz Lightyear ride because that's what Cade was into at the time. He's gone through these phases, as I'm sure your kids have gone through, his have been. Buzz Lightyear, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Superheroes was in there at some point, and now is Star Wars. If you're sensing a general theme of violence, you would be correct. <laughs> in fact, I remember a couple years ago uh, when he was in kindergarten, he just finished up second grade now, but when Cade was in kindergarten, his teacher asked he and his buddy Keegan what they wanted to be when they grow, grew up. And so at that time, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Jesus. I mean, that's a good combination. He loves Jesus, too. Uh, so he told the teacher that he wanted to be a ninja preacher. <laughs> a ninja preacher, that's right. So Justin, Justin and I went to Southeastern. Justin, they did not have that major when we went to Southeastern. So I looked at him. I said, buddy exactly what does a ninja preacher do? And y'all, he didn't hesitate. He looked up at me and said, Daddy, he said, I'm going to beat people up on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and then I'm going to preach to them on Sunday. (laughs) Hey, sometimes that sounds pretty good, right? You know, just, I'm not going to beat anybody up this morning. I'm just going to preach. But we were, so we're in the Buzz Lightyear ride. And we're standing in line, and we're waiting in line. And the the problem here was the issue. 
OCD firstborns, you'll resonate with this a little bit. The problem was that the people in front of me had, had turned their backs on the line and were carrying on a conversation with the people behind them. Okay, no problem. We got a long time to wait, carrying on a conversation. That's fine. However, however, the rest of the line, oh, you're, oh yeah, you see all the firstborns now. <laughs> The babies are like, what's the big deal? It's just a line. We're just, but you understand <laughs> that there's a gap in the line. Now, I get it. I get it. I know if we would have just moved up those six feet, we're waiting in line another 45 minutes. I fully get it. And yet there was this gap, and it was driving me nuts. I didn't know whether to politely tap them on the shoulder. I didn't know whether to pick up one of my kids and throw them at them. I mean, just, but there's, there's a gap. You're in food line and you're in the checkout line. Ma'am, ma'am, you're going to either have to take the Kit Kat or not, but you've got to move up. Just close the gap. Close that gap. What about this? You're running a little bit late for work in the morning in one of these traffic areas around here. And the light turns from red to the green arrow, and the first car goes, and the second car goes, and now the third car, there's a gap. Now even the babies and middle kids are getting stressed out, right, when there's a gap. But what about, Hope, what about when there's not just gaps in lines or in driving lanes, but what about when the gaps are in our lives? And I think that's a lot is where we live, is we live in this gap. Let's go to the scripture this morning. And I want to look at two verses of scripture in the book of Joshua. And, and I'm going to read them backwards so, it, so you'll see my emphasis of what I'm talking about. But Joshua chapter 6, two verses of scripture. And here's the first verse. But the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho. So here on, the, here on this side is, is what God has said. Here's the promises of God. Here's the word of God. Here's the declaration of God. I believe that you have things that God has said about you, promises that he's given you that you have not fully experienced in your life yet, promises of God that he has for this church that have not been fully stepped into yet. And over here you have that. And so, you know, you, you come out of church on a Sunday morning, and yeah, this is awesome. I believe this, this promise of God. So this is what God said. But then just one verse of Scripture, let's back this up to verse 1. It says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut. So there's this huge gap between what God said and what we see. So on one hand, what, what God said is God said about my health that, that he is our healer and that he paid for my healing on the cross. And yet, sometimes what I see is a doctor's report that isn't very good. Over here, what God said is, is if we raise our children in the, in the ways of the Lord, that when they are old, they will not depart from it. And over here, what we see sometimes is some backsliding and some rebellion. What God said is that God will take care of our finances, right? That, that if we bring the tithe into the storehouse and honor him with the first fruits of our wealth, that he will take care of us. And over here, what we see is the balance on our checking accounts. And sometimes we live in that gap, don't we? And here's what I know about the enemy, is that as quickly as you put your hand in a bucket of water and remove your hand, the enemy will fill in those gaps in your life. And he'll fill them with fear. He'll fill them with doubt. He'll fill them with frustration. He'll fill them with guilt. He'll get you to try, try to remember all of the negative things about your past and say, you, you don't deserve those promises. But I don't want to fill the gaps this morning. I want to close 
some gaps. And so the Word of God talks to us about how we can close those gaps in our life. The backstory is this. There's the leader of the Israelite nation, which is Joshua. God has this amazing promise that he's going to build, bring this nation of a million plus people into what is called the promised land, a good land. They've come out of slavery. They were slaves for about 430 years in Egypt. He's brought them out of slavery, brought them through the desert, and now they're getting ready to walk into their destiny. In many ways, it's a metaphor for our lives as Christians. We come out of our old life, our past, the slavery. Sometimes we're walking through some desert seasons, and yet God still has that destiny for us. And so these are three things that this morning, I encourage you to write them down, that will help you to fill the gaps in your life. Number one, to close the gap, you must move on from the manna. Move on from the manna. So what are you talking about, Doug? I'm talking about this. Let's jump back a little bit to chapter 5, verse 11. It says, the day after the Passover, that very day, the Israelites ate some of the produce of the land, the unleavened bread and the roasted grain. And then in verse 12, it says that the manna stopped. The manna stopped. So what's manna? What's manna? Manna was this, it was literally food from heaven that during the 40 years in the desert that God would rain down this, this manna and so that they would have provision and sustenance every day. So for 40 years, you've got to understand this, for 40 years, every morning the Israelites would open up their tents and there would be food on the ground and it would be proof to them, God loves me, God is providing for me, his promises are true. And listen to this, then it says all of a sudden the manna stopped. Now how many of you think there may be a couple of Israelites freaking out that morning, right? I mean, they, they know that God has said they're going into the promised land, so they know they've got a future. But sometimes when the thing that we've relied on for provision is removed, how many of you ever had that in your life? You've been involved in a relationship, and you thought that person was the one, and the only problem was that person didn't know they were the one. <laughs> and everything, your provision, you started relying on that person for all of your needs, and suddenly that person was gone. Or you had a job and you thought, this is it. This, this is the job. I'm locked in now. And cutbacks, layoffs. And you woke up one morning and the thing that you've been relying on for provision in your life is gone. But here's the great thing is that when God gives you things, God will always provide for us. But God provides in different ways during different seasons. And sometimes he'll give you manna. Watch this. Manna is not the main course. Man is just an appetizer. So manna gets your appetite worked up for something better. In Concord, where we live, there's several places that Jesus hangs out. One of them is a Mexican restaurant called El Vallarta. <laughs> and, and El Vallarta, it's, oh my goodness. So, so when I walk into El Vallarta, they have this dish called pollo con crema. Now, I am not fluent in Spanish, but I think pollo con crema translates loosely into something like chicken with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Something, something like that. I mean, I'm telling you, this, this dish is amazing. But one of the things that I love about Mexican restaurants is that as soon as you walk in the door, right, they are bringing you your water, a drink, and the chips and salsa. Why doesn't every restaurant do that? You know I'm hungry. That's why I'm coming into the restaurant. Just bring, I don't care what it is. Just bring me something. So I love the chips and salsa, and I'm sitting there enjoying the chips and salsa. But when the chips and salsa gets low, y'all, I don't go into freak-out mode. 
I don't start yelling at the server. I don't start yelling at my kids. Okay, well, maybe I do, but not for that reason at least. But I don't, I don't start throwing. I don't start doubting God's love for me. I don't start, oh, I'm giving up on Jesus. I don't, no, 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 no. Why? Because when I walk into that restaurant, my destiny wasn't chips and salsa. My destiny's pollo con crema. I came in there for the pollo con crema. So you've got to understand, listen, there are some things, there's manna that God has given you. And sometimes that manna is gone. But you got to get excited about that because that means God's getting ready to promote you. That means God's getting ready to bless you. That means God's getting ready to elevate you. So maybe you're here and something's gone out of your life. I'm not diminishing the emotion of the moment. I understand the heartbreak. I understand sometimes the fear. I understand the disappointment. But know this this morning that the God who made that promise in your life, the God that gave you manna to get you through that season, he's not done with you. He's not finished with you. He's moving you on. You have pollo con crema ahead of you, and it's better than any manna that he could have ever had. God has more for you. God has more for you. I don't know. Maybe you're here, and you're just kind of checking out Jesus. Maybe you're here, and you've served Jesus for five weeks. Maybe you're here, and you've served Jesus for 50 years. No matter where you are at on your spiritual journey, God has more for you, and that gives me hope. Church, that gives me hope. So number two, to close the gap, number one is move on from the manna. Number two is to be quiet and learn to play the trumpet. Be quiet and learn how to play the trumpet. So the second thing that happened in this thing, because the walls of Jericho, let me give you a little bit of background of here. So, so this is interesting. God says, Joshua, what's on the other side of the walls is yours. Oh, but by the way, these walls are 12 feet thick. And archaeologists that are excavating the, the area of Jericho are now telling us that there may not have just been one wall. There may have been two 12-foot thick walls. So on one hand, you've got the promises of God, but they're on the other side of the wall. And how many of you know that sometimes those walls in your life, they will, they'll talk, don't they? They'll start taunting you. I mean, you gotta, you got to look around and make sure you're not going crazy, but they'll start speaking you, to you, don't they? You're not good enough. You can't get over me. You'll never break through. You're, you're not athletic enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have enough education. You got too much junk in your path. Those walls will start talking. You know what I'm talking about. And so J Joshua and the Israelites are looking at this. And so the second thing that God says to them is in chapter 6, verses 8 through 11. But when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets, that's an important word, we'll come back to that, before the Lord went forward blowing their trumpets. And the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them, and the armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. Verse 10 says, but Joshua had commanded the army. This is crazy. He says, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word. Y'all, that's a miracle right there that Joshua got a million people to be quiet for six days. You couldn't even get your kids to be quiet for five minutes on the way to church this morning, you know? I mean, it's hard. Teachers, are you with me? This is, this is hard. Small group leaders. I mean, just getting some people to stop talking for a little bit. But God said to Joshua, I want you to walk around these walls one time for six days, and you can't say a word. 
Does that seem strange to anybody? Why, why would God care? I mean, they're just walking around a wall. Why, do, why would God tell them to be quiet? Here's why. I really believe this is why God told them to be quiet, because God knows our propensity during gaps, that sometimes what comes out of here doesn't line up with what his promise is. Are you with me? Sometimes we allow some fear. Sometimes we allow some negativity. Sometimes, so do you think there may have been, if God would have let them talk, there might have been some talk like this. My goodness, we're walking around these walls again. It's Wednesday. Joshua told us to walk around the walls on Monday. It didn't work on Monday. It didn't work on Tuesday. Why? Man, if Moses were here, if we were under different leadership, maybe I'll just bounce to another, bounce to another church, bounce, to, bounce around until somebody says what I want to hear. And I'll just walk around these walls. I bet he didn't even hear from God. I bet. Because, because we do, don't we? We're human sometimes, sometimes. My feet, are, my feet are sore. I'm getting tired of this. I don't even know. Jericho's just, why do we even need Jericho? Let's go on to AI. Let's go on to the promised land. And so sometimes what comes out of our mouths does not line up with the word of God. I think, hear me, church, I say this in love. But I think sometimes we ask God and we say, God, why aren't you blessing me? And God's saying, I'm trying but the words that are coming out of your mouth are like an axe that is undercutting the very foundation of what I'm trying to build in your life. So when we start complaining and when we start speaking negatively against the boss or the coach or the CEO or, or whoever it is, and I'm not saying they're not making some mistakes, but when we start biting with our words instead, so Joshua says you can't speak, but you can learn to play the trumpet. If you will learn during gaps in your life, when you don't know what's going on, when the promise isn't there yet, when fear starts to come in your heart, when doubt starts to come in, when regret starts to come in, if you can just learn to play the trumpet, what does learning to play the trumpet mean? The trumpet was an instrument of declaration, and it was an instrument of praise. And so here's what you do in the gap. God... I don't understand why grandma's he not healed yet. I don't understand why the cancer came back in mom. Or I don't understand what's going on. But God, I'm going to praise you. God, I choose to praise you. God, I don't understand what's going on with my kids. They know better. But God, I'm going to praise you. God, I don't understand what's going on in my body, in my health, in my job situation. But we need to make a declaration this morning that we need to learn to praise God even before the walls come come down. I said even before the walls come down because those walls will speak to you, but you've got to speak to your God. And don't worry, just sometimes close your eyes and come in on a Sunday morning and I know, I know you're thinking about Wednesday and you're thinking about the board meeting and you're thinking about what's going on with the boss and you're thinking about all of these different things and you're thinking about your finances and, and you come into this place and when Matt starts to strum that guitar, just put up your hands and say, I choose right now to praise you, Lord, because you are good no matter what's going on in Charleston, no matter what decisions that our president has made, no matter what decisions the Supreme Court makes, God, I will praise you because he's always worthy. No matter what those walls look like, no matter, they'll taunt you, they'll taunt you, but choose to praise the Lord. If we have a good attitude, if we have the right attitude, the right attitude can make such a difference. 
I was playing wiffle ball when Cade was about a year and a half. We were in the cul-de-sac, which is like our, our, our family uh, sports arena. You know, that's the kickball field, the football field, the, the soccer field, the, the baseball field. So he was one and a half, and he's got, he's got one of those big blue wiffle ball bats. You've, have you seen these? They didn't have these when we were kids. No, they made, they made us hit with the little skinny ones. But these were the, the you-cannot-miss-the-ball-if-you-try bat, right? I mean, it's like bigger than the kid. They're standing up there with the, with the wiffle ball bat. And Cade's, you know, he's, got a, he's a good little baseball player, but he was one and a half at a time. So he got in his stance, and I was, I was pitching. And the idea of the pitcher that your job is to find out where your kid swings, and you've got to hit the, the bat with the ball, right? That's, that's your job. So, so I'm pitching, and big old bat and everything. And, I mean, he just cranked up a swing, and I'm telling you, he missed I mean, I'm not talking foul tip missed. I'm not talking dribbler down the third base line, first base line missed. I'm talking missed. And so I'm getting ready to go into dad encourager mode. In case you're not familiar with that, it looks something like this. Oh, buddy, it's all right. You got it. That was a good swing. That was a good try. Bet you'll get the next one. But I didn't even need to. Y'all, after he swung and missed, he took the bat flipped it to the side like he had just hit a bottom of the ninth walk-off home run in Fenway Park, started trotting around the bases, throws both hands in the air, home one, home one, Dade, home one. And I was like, no, you didn't, you struck out. No, I didn't, I didn't do that. I let him run. <laughs> because at that point, it wasn't about whether he hit the ball. It was about what was going on inside of here. And I care more in my kids' lives most of the time. I care more about their heart and their attitude and their positivity. You say, Doug, but that's a lie. He missed. Yeah, I know. And we, get, we got to that later. You understand? I mean, we're not teaching our kids lies. But you say, in my life, Doug, I swing and I miss sometimes. I blow it. I, tell, I make a promise to God, and I miss. I make a promise to my wife, to my kids, and I miss. I, I, I've made a promise to myself, and I said, I'm going to finish school by such and such, and I miss. I know sometimes we miss, but here's, here it is this morning, church. Jesus never misses. He never misses. And so even when you miss, you can throw both hands up in the air, and you can say, home one. Home one, even when you miss, because you serve a God who doesn't miss. He never misses. He's never missed in your life in the past, and he'll never miss in the future. Here's the third thing this morning to close these gaps in our life. Go one more time. Go one more time. So Joshua, God said to Joshua, I want you to take the Israelites I want you to march around these impossible walls, these barriers that are staring you in the face that you wake up every morning and, oh, guess what? There's the wall. Joshua, God said, Joshua, I want you to march around one time for six days. And then on the seventh day, well, let's read the account here in Joshua 6, 12 through 16. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets, and the armed men went ahead, went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark. 
while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. And they did this for six days. They did this for six days. Sometimes the power of serving Jesus is in the power of the monotony. Sometimes it's doing the same thing again. And again, even when you don't see a difference, it's having family devotions, even though you're not seeing a difference. It's being faithful at your job, even though you don't see a difference. It's being faithful and studying, even though you're not seeing a difference. Sometimes it's just, God, this is what you told me to do. This is what your word says. It's being faithful to church every, every Sunday. It's being faithful to invite people to come with you. It's just doing the things that you know to do even though you may not see a difference. They did this for six days. Verse 15, but on the seventh day they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around when the priest sounded that trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout for the Lord has given you this city. So on the seventh day, on that seventh time around, when they finished marching and when the priest raised the praise, raised the trumpets, and they blew those trumpets and they shouted, those 12-foot thick walls came crumbling down. And here's what we've got to understand is that sometimes while we're just being faithful and sometimes while we're just doing what we know to do and sometimes when we're just serving and we're saying, God, I don't, I don't, know, what to, I don't know what else to do except to do what you've told me to do. And we look at those walls and we don't see any difference on the exterior. Listen, you don't know what God's up to on the other side of the wall. Sometimes, because sometimes, sometimes, I don't know about you, but when you pray for something, it doesn't get better. Sometimes it looks like on the outside it gets worse. You're praying for that one aunt, that one, maybe it's your father, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your grandfather, maybe it's a son or a daughter, a niece or a nephew. You're praying for somebody to come to faith in Jesus and you're praying for them and they're not, it doesn't seem like on the outside like they're getting closer to Jesus. It seems like they're going further away. But you don't know what the Holy Spirit is up to on the inside. You don't know what the Holy Spirit, on your job, maybe it looks like you're getting demoted. You don't know what God's up to. We never know what God is up to on the other side. Let Let me ask a couple of questions this morning. Is what if, is the, if the band would come at this time, if, what, if, what if they would have quit on the sixth time around on the sixth day? What if, what if the Israelites would have quit on the sixth time on the sixth day? What if they would have said, I guess it's not working? What if they would have said, we gave it our best shot? What if they would have said, maybe we didn't hear from the Lord? What if they would have said, I guess it's time to follow a different leader? What if they would have said, it's time to follow a different vision? What if it's time to do something else? Hey, we gave, hey, we gave it the old college try. I mean, we did this for six days, even on the seventh day, six times. But what if they would have given up on the sixth time around on the seventh day? But let me switch the question this morning and let me switch it from the Israelites to right where you live. What if you would dare to believe God one more time? What if you would dare to ask Him one more time? What if you would dare to trust one more time? What if you dared to pray 
dared to believe, dared to step out in faith one more time. The year was 1947. October 14th, a young guy by the name of Chuck Yeager stepped into the cockpit of an experimental Bell X-1 aircraft. Loaded up into the belly of a B-29 bomber, Chuck Yeager had it in his heart that he was going to be the first person to break the sound barrier. But here's the thing, the backstory is that scientists were telling people that it was impossible. And to be honest, they had a lot of good reason for telling people this. The reason being the dead people who had tried it before. The British gave up on the program. Here's why. A couple of things about physics and aerodynamics is that when you're traveling in an airplane, that the wind over the top of the wing goes slightly faster than the wind underneath the wing. Now, that's a good thing when you're traveling four or five, six hundred miles an hour. That actually helps to give the airplane its lift. But when you reach the speed of sound, it's not a good thing because that wind will travel so fast that it'll send the plane into a nosedive. The other thing working against the the people that were trying to break the sound barrier was the sound waves. So in this room, there's noises. There's the strum of the guitar. There's the sound of a microphone. There's the rustle of a shoe up, up against the floor or various different sounds that are going on, and they're not affecting us other than our ears. You can move through sound waves. That's not a problem. But as you approach the speed of sound, the things that don't make a difference when you're going slow, when you start approaching the speed of sound, those sound waves will actually begin to shake the cockpit, shake the airplane violently. So Chuck Yeager gets into the Bell X-1 airplane, and he loads up, and, and he's this young gun, and he's going to try it. He's going to do this. He'd broken a couple of ribs two weeks earlier in a horse riding accident. Didn't tell anybody about it because he thought that the doctors might keep him out of this. But the bomber goes up to about 20,000 feet, opens up its belly. The Bell X-1 drops out of their rocket boosters, kick in, and on up to about 40,000 feet. So Chuck Yeager's at the controls, and he goes on. When he hits Mach 0.996, the instrument panel goes haywire. He can't even, he looks down, he can't even tell how fast he's going. His vision starts to go blurry when he hits Mach 0.996. His stomach begins to churn, he begins to get nauseous, vision blurry, instrument panel haywire, and now the sound waves start shaking that cockpit violently, and he had a choice to make. Do I pull back, or do I press on? Do I pull back, or do I press on? Because I don't know about you, because, but sometimes it seems like when I'm getting th- close to something that God has for me in my life, it's not like the enemy is like, oh man, I, Doug, I tried to get you back there, but now you're, now you're getting ready for breakthrough. Now you're getting ready to step into something good. So I have at it, right? <laughs> that hasn't been my experience. Usually my experience is the enemy will ramp up his attack against you the closer you get to something good in your life. And so the closer you get to promotion, the closer you get to stepping in to what God has for you next, the more the enemy begins to shake. And we all have a choice to make. Every time that happens, we can pull back or we can press on. 
And so Chuck Yeager made the decision in that cockpit to press on. And and his stomach's churning. His eyesight's blurry. The gauges are going nuts. He doesn't even know exactly how fast he's going. It's shaking. But he presses on and he hits the sound barrier. And he describes it like this. He says that there was a sonic boom in the atmosphere. And he says that when he broke through that sound barrier, he describes it like this. Watch this, Pope. On the other side, he said it was like a sea of glass. It was like a sea of glass because everything that was against him was now behind him. Everything that was against him was now behind him. There are moments of spiritual breakthrough in our lives, both individually and corporately. And sometimes there are those moments of breakthrough when we make a decision, I'm not going to pull back, I'm going to pray one more time. I'm going to believe one more time. I'm going to come forward one more time. I'm going to respond to God one more time. And there are those moments of breakthrough. And when you get breakthrough, everything that the enemy tries to throw against you is now behind you. And it's this whole new season. It's this whole new season like a sea of glass with heads bowed and eyes closed in the auditorium. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Doug, that's me. I'm facing some things. The, the, my, my life feels a little bit rattled this morning. There's some, there's some barriers that I'm facing. There's some walls that I'm facing in your finance, at job, with your family with your health, whatever it is this morning, you would just say, Doug, there's some barriers that I'm facing, but but Doug, this morning, I don't want to pull back. I want to press on. And Doug, I want to believe one more time. I want to ask one more time. And I want to ask God for a breakthrough in the area. What if your biggest barrier became your greatest breakthrough? With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, before we call people to response and before we stand before we lift a trumpet to our lips before we praise the Lord before we praise him before the walls come down who this morning would say Doug I'm facing a bear in a wall and I need the Lord to help me with that would you just lift a hand and put it right back down sure 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 let's all stand together here's what I want to do the band is getting ready to lead us in one more song We're getting ready to worship. We're getting ready to be. This is a great opportunity. Whether you lifted your hand and say, Doug, there's something coming against me this morning. Some of you, the enemy, he's been been ferocious. He's been vicious. He doesn't play fair. He comes against the things that are most precious to you. He'll come against the thing that is closest to your heart. And he'll come against it full force. And we're going to believe God for breakthrough. No matter where you are in your life, it's always a good time to learn to play the trumpet. It's always a good time to declare. It's always a good time to lift your hands in praise. It's always a good time. So as the band starts singing this song, here's what I want to do. I want to invite those of you that slipped up a hand to, to make a step. Now, I know there's plenty of reasons. I understand. Believe me, I understand. God can speak to you and move anywhere. He can do it in your car on the way home. He can do it right there in your seat. But sometimes there's an act of taking a step. For Joshua, it was looking at those walls and just raising that trumpet and lifting a shout. And this morning, I'm going to ask that you do this to take a step. 
take a physical step. So as the band starts playing, that you would just take a step and make your way down before the band sings, before we take communion, saying, I am believing the Lord for breakthrough in my life. So if that's you this morning, if you raised your hand, would you take a step? Go ahead. Would you just take a step right now? Multiple hands. But even if you're the only one in the auditorium, if this is for you, if this is for you, say, Pastor Doug, this message was for me this morning. I'm not going to pull back. I'm going to press forward. I'm going to press on. As you come forward, I encourage you just to close your eyes. Maybe, maybe, you don't, maybe you don't know really how to pray, but just say something like this. God, uh, help me to believe you for every promise in my life. Help me to believe you. God, I pray that my faith would rise. I would encourage, maybe you've got a family member. Maybe you've got a friend up here. Would you just, I just encourage you to slip up beside them. Sometimes, sometimes when we're going through stuff, you don't need an answer. You just need somebody to stand with you, to stand beside you, to say, I'm going to praise with you. I don't have the answer. But as we sing, I encourage some of you that may have a friend up here to stand beside them. So Matt and band lead, come on, let's ask the Lord. God, for breakthrough in our lives. Thank you, Jesus.